Hi, welcome to Forever Paranormal with Dr. Bill and Deb. The term paranormal refers to phenomena and experiences that are beyond the scope of normal scientific understanding and cannot be easily explained through traditional scientific principles. These phenomena often challenge conventional beliefs and are associated with the supernatural, metaphysical, or unexplained aspects of reality. As with any field of inquiry, it is essential to approach the paranormal with an open but critical mind, relying on empirical evidence and logical reasoning to draw conclusions. It's a topic that continues to intrigue and challenge both believers and skeptics alike, and if we can connect a paranormal element to it, we'll talk about it. You'll be surprised by what all can be connected to the paranormal. Please don't forget to follow, rate, and share the show, since it would not be possible without you, our listeners. And as a public service, we would like to let everyone know that you are truly never alone, even if you think you are. The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is 988. Please just reach out. Well, hello there, everyone, and welcome to all of our new listeners, and welcome back to our regular listeners. This is the last episode before we get into spooky season, better known as Spooktober to some of us and October to the rest. Since the month that contains my favorite holiday, Halloween, is quickly approaching, we thought we would once again circle back to that non-human entity thing called aliens, as it is still mainstream news today. Hi, Deb. Hi. How are you doing this week? Well, since you mentioned it's almost October, I am developing the... I don't know what whether there's a technical term, but the oncoming fall is making me a bit depressed because I hate cold weather. Well, you know, you, you can't hold that against October and spooky I season. Can. No, I can. no. I can do what I want. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I guess you're not looking forward to spooky season with ghouls, ghosts, witches, vampires, werewolves, and monsters looking at every corner, are you? Not really, because that involves blood and gore in the movies that you select for watching. Oh, well, you know, we're going to talk about your favorite horror movies in a future episode during Spooktober, so (laughs) we'll just see how that goes. Okay. As many of you may or may not know, a few months back... July 11, 2023 to be exact, the residents of a small Peruvian village have been reportedly terrorized by seven-foot-tall face-eating aliens, which have been compared to green goblins, and Peruvian superstitions about Los Pelicados, which actually translate to face-eaters. The Peruvian National Police and the Peruvian Army launched an official investigation into the incident. Prosecutors have claimed that the aliens were nothing more than an illegal gold mining crime syndicate using jetpacks to explore prospects for gold deeper in the forest surrounding the Nane River in Peru. The Liku indigenous people in rural Alto Nane 
have been begging for help from the military to save them from the aliens. The group launched nightly attacks on the villagers in Alto Nene, which is a district in an Amazon region northeast of Lima. I find it difficult to believe that illegal gold miners are using jetpacks to terrorize an Amazon village of indigenous people or just having jetpacks to begin with. I mean, come on. These people have been attacked and injured. Sounds more like a government answer to a cover-up what is really going on, in my opinion. I agree. I mean, I don't even know that we have jetpacks like that around here. It sounds you know, like a it, movie. It, it almost does sound like a movie. I've seen the water things and stuff, you know, that, but I haven't really seen true jetpacks in a long time, but maybe I just need to catch up on science. Yeah, I don't maybe. know. Maybe. Maybe. But anyhow, speaking of government cover-ups, let's roll back to 1996 and what is called the Roswell of Brazil, better known as the Virginia UFO incident. This is a very wild tale with a crashed UFO captured along with dead aliens being witnessed by many different people. A UFO flying around the town, presumably looking for survivors of the crash, dispatched Brazilian military vehicles and personnel, local police, local firefighters, and of course, the U.S. military flying in to retrieve the bodies, both dead and alive, along with the crash debris. This, and what we are going to hear, may all sound unbelievable, but the craziest part of this story is actually the official explanation given by the Brazilian government. They basically told all of the eyewitnesses and the surviving family members of those that died that they were just all nuts. This purportedly started when the United States Air Force informs the Brazilian government that they were tracking an unidentified flying object off their coast on January 13, 1996. They then informed the Brazilian government that they shot the craft down. The news that night runs an interview with a man named Carlos de Sousa, who at that time was a college professor and an amateur ultralight pilot. De Sousa goes on to describe seeing some type of spacecraft about the size of a small school bus, but shaped like a submarine. It looked like a washing machine struggling, fighting to keep its altitude, he said. The side of it was completely torn, and it had white smoke coming out of it. It wasn't black smoke like from a fire. At the time, I thought it was like an aircraft in trouble, an aeroplane. So I decided to follow it. De Sousa says he drove his car to the site of the crash as he thought there may be people needing help. That's where he saw pieces of metal like thin aluminum foil spread across the field. He said he picked up a piece of the metal, crumpled it in his hand, and when he let it go, it returned to its original shape. He also spoke of a terrible smell like sulfur and ammonia. De Sousa claims it was only a matter of minutes before the military showed up and forced him to leave or be shot. That was the only interview de Sousa did for almost three decades. That's not something someone in his position openly discussed, and it's clear 
he isn't talking. He isn't talking about this for fame or fortune at all. Now, let's jump forward a few days, January twentieth, nineteen ninety-six. That's when, only six miles from the crash site, three young women named Lillian Silva, who was fourteen, her sister Valkyria Silva, who was sixteen, along with their friend Katia Xavier, who was twenty-one spotted a creature near some graffiti that had brown oily skin and red eyes while they were walking through a vacant lot between two houses. Passing only a mere eight feet away, Lillian screamed. Then her sister looked into its eyes and saw that it was frightened. All the girls were frightened, but they say the creature was frightened too. I saw that it was afraid of us. It was an exchange of fears, it for ours. Afraid of us in the same way we were afraid of it, said Valkyria. Some type of being we weren't familiar with. What I saw stopped me in my tracks, said Katya. It glued me to that spot. It had red eyes, oily skin. I couldn't see an open mouth, just what looked like a sad expression. It shrank back when it saw us. It didn't have any hair, and its eyes were red and three times bigger than ours. The girls knew it wasn't a man or any animal that they knew of. In expected fashion, they took off at a run for the Silva house. As they got closer, they started slowing down, asking each other what in the world they saw. When they got to the house, they all told Luisa Silva, the two sisters' mother, that they saw a demon. Being raised Catholics, this was the only conclusion they could come to at that moment. As the girls were in hysterics, Luisa, being a typical mother, made them take her back to the spot against her will, as they were terrified and didn't want to go. Of course, when they got there, the creature was gone, but it did leave two things behind. A footprint in the dirt, and an awful smell that was a cross between ammonia and sulfur. Luisa Silva stated that the smell stayed inside her nose, for 20 days, no matter how or what she tried cleaning it with. The tale of their experience has not changed by one detail for over 25 years. I would have to say that it made a deep, lasting impression. And again, these people had zero financial gain from this sighting and this tale. During this time, we know from different witness testimonies that the military had blockaded a section of the city in the same residential neighborhood as the girls encounter using the military police and the fire department, which is under their control, to search for any creatures. Yeah, that's pretty weird, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, in, in that country, everything is governed by the military, so that's why the fire department and stuff falls under the control of the military police. Little, little different than the way we do things here in the U.S. Earlier in the day, it had been reported that the fire department had recovered one of the aliens down an embankment. It's not clear if it was dead or alive when it was taken to Humanitas Hospital in Virginia. Well, around three hours after the girl's experience, 
Two military police officers were driving along a road just around the corner from the vacant lot when the creature ran out in front of their car. One of the officers, Marco Cherise, jumped out of the car and captured the creature with his bare hands. They also took it to the same hospital. According to Cherise's family, he was covered with a sticky, smelly substance that came from the creature, and he couldn't watch the smell of sulfur and ammonia off himself. During the capture, Mr. Cherise was supposedly scratched by the alien. This purportedly resulted in him developing an infection that could not be cleared up and got worse over several weeks, eventually killing this very young man. You know, Deb, if you remember back, we both watched the documentary by James Fox, and in the documentary, The Moment of Contact, Fox interviews a military whistleblower referred to as Military X. Mm -hmm. He claims to have been involved in transporting the body of a creature from Humanitas Hospital in Virginia to ESA Army Base about 40 kilometers away. Military X said there was a stainless steel table with a box on it. He said there were doctors and people carrying clipboards analyzing the beans. He said it looked like they all seemed scared of it, and when he looked, he saw something different. A different creature with the skin very oily, a lot of oil, almost like a silicone. Seeing that, he got scared. X said there was a soldier with a film camera making a video of it. He went on to say that the creature's foot caught his attention, kind of like a V-shaped, and then he knew that he was not looking at a human being. You know, the mother described the footprint almost the same way. Mm-hmm. So, Towards the end of the documentary, Fox spoke with a former Brazilian Air Force traffic controller who claims that the U.S. Air Force landed unannounced in Campinas, forgive me if I'm not pronouncing it right, and dispatched two helicopters which collected something and took it away. According to local civilian and military witnesses, agents from the U.S. collected the bodies and crash debris. Yeah. And you may think we are coming to the end of this rabbit hole now, where I tell you about the Brazilian government official response on that matter, but wait, there's more. In a New York Post article on October 29, 2022, Michael Schellenberger not only writes about Fox's documentary, but he spoke exclusively with two people about what some senior Brazilian officials had told them about their own encounters with the creatures. According to Vittorio Pacassini, a civilian UFO investigator, he said he was shown a 35-second film fragment of the creature in 2012. He said the creature looked skinny, weak, and fragile. It had brown skin with an oil or grease on the body. It had a big head with red eyes and no pupils. The face was like a reptile, kind of like a frog with strange red eyes three times bigger than ours and three bulges or knobs on top of its head. Pacassini said the creature was still alive, making a sound like a bee, but appeared to be ready to die at any moment. Purportedly, Pacassini had to move back to Italy 
due to many, many death threats after he talked about it. Another person Schellenberger spoke with was Patricia Fernandez Silva, who says she was questioned and interrogated in 2014 by the former sheriff of Vashinia and four other officers for hours after he learned she was a UFO researcher. Here is a quote by Silva in the article. The whole time they were asking me about my relationship to Virginia, but I had never investigated the case. I knew about it, but I had nothing to do with it. Finally, the senior officer asked the other officers to leave the room. It was then that he showed her a color photo shot on film and printed on Kodak paper. In the photo, says Silva, were two creatures, one dead and the other crouched in the same way the three girls had described it. It had three, I won't say horns, but three high abscesses on the forehead, she said. He took the picture and said, are you sure you don't know anything about this day? Look at the photo. I was scared, but I said no, I had no knowledge. The former sheriff told Silva that his hands had been paralyzed ever since he grabbed the creature by the legs. The man's hands were cupped and he struggled awkwardly to pull the photo out of an old newspaper he kept in a transparent folder, she said. Wow, that's pretty cool. Interesting. Okay, so what do you think, Deb? How does the Brazilian government explain this one to the people? Sounds like they're not all that different from every other government. Well, I know that most of the mainstream articles and the documentary we watched doesn't go into the explanation of the government. But I did some pretty dig, some pretty deep digging and come across some Brazilian newspaper articles, which I had to get translated, so I hope it's right. And here's what I found. According to some military documents, there was a military police inquiry into the Virginia ET incident. The official story told by the military was that the supposed ET seen by the three girls after seven months of investigation was actually nothing more than they saw a popular man known as Mudinho. He used to crouch down the same position that ET would be in according to the reports, and was probably had some mental disorder. According to the Army, E.T. never existed. Budinho was about 30 years old and lived with his family in front of the land where the girls claimed to have seen the creature. And they said he was probably just dirty and slimy-looking due to some previous rain. Wow, what? Okay, but... What about the large military presence in Virginia at the same time? Okay, folks, Deb, are you ready for this one? Bring it. Sergeant Valder Ernesto Dos Santos reported that the Army vehicles were on the streets because they were still under warranty. <laughs> they had taken them to the dealership in Virginia for maintenance. What? Since when? Do military vehicles come from the local dealership with bumper-to-bumper warranties and you're going to take them all back for warranty service at the same time? Come on. 
Now, we also have the doctors and some of the other witnesses from the hospital and the official government explanation about what the people say they saw at the hospital. Instead of alien bodies, the hospital supposedly had a couple in there with dwarfism that was there to have a baby. I mean, come on. This is just getting more ridiculous as we go. And last, but definitely not least, what about Marco Cherise, who was scratched while capturing one of the creatures by hand and ultimately succumbed to an unknown infection within weeks of the incident. We heard his sister speak out in the documentary, and she says that they were never given any kind of official explanation. But according to the 24th Battalion of the Virginia Military Police, he went into the hospital to get a cyst removed and contracted a strong hospital infection after the surgery. I mean, don't you think his family would have known if he was going in to have surgery? According to his sister, he had no ailments prior to having contact with this alien. I mean... They must really think people are completely stupid. I told you, didn't I, Deb? The mm -hmm. government story was going to be much stranger than the one of the E.T. encounters. And it's also much harder to believe. I know you didn't know the government's response to this. Mm -mm. So what do you think? Well, like I said earlier, it sounds like they're not all that different from every other government that doesn't want to be transparent about anything Yeah, in the name of national security or something like that. Or it could simply be a typical red tape type of thing or a typical, we have no idea. So we're not going to try to explain what we don't know. And we're not going to admit we don't know what we're talking about. So we're going to come up with this gigantic BS story and let it go with that. <laughs> Or there's another aspect that maybe could be possible. For some reason, the U.S. at one point was involved and maybe whatever happened there, how the U.S. ended up with this is not to be uh, exposed to anybody. I'm sure that's part of it. We know mm -hmm. the U.S. was involved. I mean, even the congressional hearings with David Koresh and them guys, they spoke of U.S. programs where they went to other countries to claim aliens and wreckage, and they spoke of these things. So I'm, I feel true to my heart that, yes, the U.S. was involved. But folks, what about you? Are you buying this Brazilian weather balloon crap, kind of like Roswell? It's no wonder it's called the Brazilian Roswell, and, you know, with that, we're going to bring this one to an end. And thanks for listening. And until next time, when we discuss another tale yet to be told. Thank you for listening. And remember to like and share the show. We would also appreciate a five-star rating wherever possible to help new listeners find the show. We welcome all questions or comments you may have about this or any other episode and our contact information can be found in the show notes of this episode. You can also follow us at foreverparanormal.com. And if you'd like to support us, you can buy me a coffee 
at buymeacoffee.com forward slash forever paranormal. The links to these are also in the show notes of this episode.